Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to Swarfcast. Before we start, we have a quick favor to ask you. If you love the show, please rate it and write a review on your podcast app or tell somebody about it. It really makes a difference for us and we'd appreciate it. Okay, on with the show. As you know, in the American culture, but around the world, people generally think that positive thinking is positive and that positive thinking will lead to more effort and more motivation. So I thought at the very beginning, okay, so these positive fantasies and daydreams will lead to more motivation and more effort and more success as the positive expectations do. But then when we ran some studies, we found something very interesting. We found that the more positively people fantasized about the future, the less well they did. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graf. Our guest on today's show is Gabriele Odingen, professor of psychology and author of the book Rethinking Positive Thinking, The Science of Motivation. Contrary to conventional wisdom, Odingen's studies have shown that people who embrace positive thinking as a way to reach their dreams are often the least successful in achieving their goals. Her strategy for success requires people to identify realistic, specific goals and then identify potential obstacles along the way. She calls it WOOP, which stands for Wish, Outcome, Obstacle, Plan. I've used the strategy myself, and I have to say, it's really worked for me. As a used machine tool dealer specializing in high production equipment, I've encountered plenty of fire damaged machines. An average fire costs a business $300,000 to $500,000 and six to eight weeks of lost production time. Installed on over 15,000 CNC machines, FireTrace protects shops running oil based coolants by automatically detecting and suppressing fires within seconds. FireTrace systems are safe for people and machines because they use clean agents that leave no residue. The systems are compatible with all major machinery brands and can be installed within a few hours. For more details, go to www.firetrace.com swarfcast. That's www.firetrace.com swarfcast. I'm thrilled to have Gabriele Oettingen, professor of psychology at New York University and the author of Rethinking Positive Thinking. Welcome to the show, Gabriele. Thank you for having me. I found out about Gabriele from listening to a, a few different podcasts. Would you say you're a behavioral psychologist? Oh, you can name me a lot of different labels. Okay. I'm interested in motivation and behavior and behavior change and social processes, all sorts of things. Okay. Well, I heard her on some podcasts and um, some of the things she said affected me, helped me accomplish a few things. So, uh, I thought she would be great to be on the podcast. So, now I will let you take it away and I want the basics of what your theories are. And I also like to know how you got into this. You know, how does somebody get into being a professor of psychology and talking about this? Other people have been talking about you being a contrarian to 
positive thinker, self-help people. I'm not exactly sure if that's true, but I'll I'll, uh, I'll let you take it away now. What's 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 the deal? Well, the deal is what is the deal? The deal is I'm coming from behavioral biology. That was my first. Uh, basically training. But then I switched to psychology because I was interested in the concept of hope. And I was interested in why people would still go on and be very resilient in the face of dreary, a dreary life, a, b- a bad future prospect. And when I got into that, then I realized that there is a lot of work in psychology on the concept of hope, but um, that the concept of hope was equalized to high confidence, high expectations of success, um, basically having good prospects into the future. And I thought, well, this is, is that really hope? Isn't hope if I keep up my positive ideas despite the fact that the prospects are really bad and the expectations are really low? So um, at that time, then I moved from England and from Germany to the United States, and I started to differentiate between different kinds of thinking about the future. So you have the expectations. Basically, these are judgments on how likely it is that certain events will happen in the future or that people have success in the future. And then um, these expectations are based on past experience. So you expect, for example, you have a student. The student has been a very good student with lots of A's. He can expect to do well in the future if he puts in the necessary effort. So he knows, okay, it's worthwhile to put in this effort. But that has nothing to do with our daydreams and fantasies and kind of free thoughts and images about the future because these might be positive and um, very hopeful despite the fact that my prospects are very low. So then I differentiate between these two different ways of thinking about the future and I looked um, what actually the behavioral consequences are of these two different ways of thinking about the future. Okay, let me make sure I understand. The two ways are, one way is everything's just going to work out, and one way is more negative. Can you give? Can you just differentiate real quick what the two okay, ways are? Okay, expectations are judgments on how likely it is that certain events will happen in the future. They are based on past experience. Mm-hmm. So I can expect that the sun will rise tomorrow morning because I have been around for... A long time, and I have experienced the sun rising in the morning. Um, I can expect to do really well in my business because my business so far has been doing really well. But very often the businesses don't do so well, and the prospects are low. So if my business hasn't been doing so well lately, then I can't expect from past experience that it will do very well in the future. So in that case, um, these expectations will make me a little bit more pessimistic because, you know, these expectations, these judgments are low that things will happen in the future like I want. Now, on the contrary, I can have positive fantasies and daydreams about the future, which are very different. These are just thoughts and images that my business will do well. They are free from any experiences in the past. I can daydream, fantasize, and um, just imagine 
that my business is, does really well. Okay. And that's independent of the expectations. So I can, for example, imagine that I would reject a cigarette despite the fact that I kind of have very low expectations that I will actually reject that cigarette. <laughs> so that means these two ways of thinking about the future, the free thoughts and images, and the expectations, they're different ways of thinking about the future. And what I thought is, okay, let's try and let's test what the behavioral consequences of these two ways of thinking about the future are. And as you know, in the American culture, but around the world, people generally think that positive thinking is positive yeah. and that positive thinking will lead to more effort and more motivation. So I thought at the very beginning, okay, so these positive fantasies and daydreams will lead to more motivation and more effort and more success as the positive expectations do. But then when we ran some studies, mm -hmm. we, we found something very interesting. We found that the more positively people fantasized about the future, the less well they did. And this in the achievement domain, in the health domain, and in the interpersonal domain. So for example, the more positively people enrolled in a weight reduction program fantasized about their success in the program the fewer pounds they lost. Okay. Three months later, one year later, two years later. So who lost the most pounds? The people who also permitted negative thoughts about the future. So similarly, you take university graduates. University graduates, the more positively they fantasize, the daydream about the future in transitioning into their profession, the less well, they did in terms of earning money two years later, getting job offers two years later, and the fewer job applications they had sent out or take students. The more positively they fantasized about getting a good grade, the less well they did in the actual exam. Wouldn't you think that the people that had the most, the highest expectations, aren't they often the most ambitious as well? The expectations show the opposite. The more positive the expectations, the higher the expectations, because it's based on past experience, the better they did. But the more positive their fantasies and daydreams were, the less well they did. Are you saying that are you saying people shouldn't aim high for things? No, I'm not saying that. I'm okay. saying people who dream about the future and fantasize about the future in super positive terms, that they have been found to be less effortful and successful in terms of realizing, of attaining and fulfilling these positive fantasies and daydreams. Okay. And so when you, for example, um, take students who positively fantasize about getting together with a person of the opposite sex whom they had a kind of crush on, the less likely it was that they actually got involved in a romantic relationships and also take patients, hip replacement surgery patients, the more positively they fantasized and daydreamed about a quick success, a quick recovery, yeah. the less well could they move their joint, the fewer stairs could they walk and the less well was their general recovery as judged by the physical therapist. That's so very interesting. So it seems... That these positive fantasy and daydreams, they're good in, in terms of 
you know, getting you a good mood. They're good in terms of exploring all the possibilities of the future. But when it comes to actually realizing and attaining these possibilities of the future, they are a real problem. I mean, if you if you but I mean, if you don't have any expectations that you're going to pick up somebody of the opposite sex, then you're not even going to try. And what's then how can you get any better result? Right. Or are you saying that if you use your system, then maybe you will try versus just fantasizing? Hold on. These these expectations, they're based on past experience. Now, we didn't have people in there who didn't have, who had nil expectations to reach the, the wanted person. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that we sort of, you know, ask them to marry, um, I don't know. The A supermodel king, or the, whatever, yeah. Yeah, or whatever, the, the, the um, king or something. That That's that's not what we, um, what we did. We asked them about a person they actually had a crush on or a hip replacement surgery. They had expectations on recovering, they the exams they, they took. So they all had some kind of expectations. Some mm-hmm. of them had higher expectations. The other ones had lower expectations. But what we were really interested in were these free fantasies and daydreams. And what we find is that these fantasies and daydreams, they actually are a hindrance to putting in the necessary effort and to getting the necessary or the wanted success. Mm -hmm. And we find that even with respect to mood and depressive affect. So we find that the more positively people fantasize about the future, at the moment, they're of a better mood. But over time, they get more depressed. And the reason is, or it's mediated or it's predicted by the lower effort and the lower success that these positive fantasies predict. And this lower success then leads to lower mood, more depressive effect. Okay. So we thought, why is that? These positive fantasies and daydreams, why why do they spoil our success? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Can we yeah, so and yeah, at the beginning we thought maybe we we're wrong, but then we replicated it um, throughout so many studies that we understood there is something to it. So we asked ourselves, why is that? And then we did some experimental studies where we induced these positive fantasies and daydreams versus negative future thoughts, versus factual thoughts, versus no thoughts. So all these were the control groups um, in our experiments. And what we found is that where we induced the positive fantasies and daydreams, people felt already accomplished. Mm-hmm. So you experience these positive fantasies and daydreams in your mind, and then you feel accomplished. And what happens then? The energy goes down. So you feel less energized, and you can even measure it by systolic blood pressure, meaning you have all these positive fantasies and daydreams. You feel already having attained these positive fantasies and daydreams. You feel already accomplished. You feel you are already there, and then the energy goes down. And you think that's pretty, you think this is pretty common. You think the majority of people, this is, this is their norm? Well, I, I've, I haven't said it's the norm. It's just that we find that in our experimental research, mm-hmm. that if we actually put people in this positive fantasy mode, the people then relax. So we find that 
so we need to take it seriously because this is an, this is a result which we um, we can't overlook. I mean, we we replicated that and we found that several times, and so it is a phenomenon. So and then we thought, okay, if this is a phenomenon that these positive fantasies and daydreams make you relaxed, then what can we do? Um, shall we just sort of only think negatively now? Um, maybe all these kind of positive thinking is, is pleasant at the moment, but at the end, we should all think negatively. But we cannot do that because we did other experiments where we showed that these positive fantasies and daydreams about the future, that they stem from our needs. Now, what are these needs? These needs are states of decrement, states of depletion, states of what we need, what we don't have. So if we don't have something, then these positive fantasies and daydreams actually emerge. And that's pretty neat because they remind us that we need to fill this void. And the interesting thing is that these needs, they you can test that actually experimentally. So we, for example, did a study where we invited people um, to the lab and we asked them not to drink any water okay. uh, for hours beforehand. And then we gave them a lot of salty pretzels so that they were going to be really thirsty. And then um, half of them got good water, so thirst was qu kind of quenched. Um, and half of them were remaining thirsty. And then we just simply measured their fantasies and daydreams and the positivity of these fantasies and daydreams. And we, we saw that people positively fantasized about getting to the water fountain, drinking the water, about having a good glass of water. So um, you can do that with physical needs, but you can also do it with psychological needs. So, for example, when you make people aware of the meaninglessness of their jobs – then people suddenly start fantasizing about getting a more meaningful job. Or when you make people aware of having kind of mediocre relationships, then they start fantasizing positively about getting together with their friends and their family. Those are both pretty, uh, pretty tough, tough things to change. <laughs> well, you don't want to change it. You just want to know. You want to know that these positive fantasies and daydreams, they are important. So they give action the direction. Mm -hmm. They tell you where to go. Yeah. You don't want to change that phenomenon. You just want to understand that these positive fantasies and daydreams are important, and we can't just dismiss them. So they have the important function. And the function is they give action the direction so that you know where you want to go. The problem only in these positive fantasies and daydreams is, is that they sap our energy. So now what we do want then is give people who have these positive fantasies and daydreams, who have these needs, kind of producing these positive daydreams and fantasies, we want to give them the energy. Mm -hmm. And how do you want to do that? We thought, oh, easy. You know what we do? We give them a healthy dose of reality. We put this healthy dose of reality in their way. Then they will understand they're not accomplished yet. They're not there yet. And they need to have the energy to overcome that reality. And yeah. that's what we did. And that's what we then called mental contrasting of the future, meaning 
having these positive fantasies and daydreams about the future, really nourishing them. But then instead of just going on and on and on with them, you put the reality in terms of an obstacle yeah. that stands in the way to reach the positive future in the way. And once you do that, people will understand, oops, I'm not there yet. I need to still go there. And that will give them the energy to overcome that resistance or that obstacle. And when they imagine that obstacle, then they also will understand what they can do in order to overcome that obstacle. And that's really neat. Now we have both. We have the positive future about kind of fantasies and daydreams about the positive future, which gives action the direction. And then we have the consideration or the imagery of this obstacle in the way that gives action the energy. And now we have both. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graphpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. What is important, though, is that yeah, you tell yeah. that people understand that this conscious imagery strategy is actually triggering non-conscious processes, processes that you don't, nobody realizes it, and these non-conscious processes help you to change behavior that's mm. that's the reason why it's so effective and why it's neat because these things which happen without that you realize they do the job interesting and that goes directly into into behavior change what, what do you say to the people that and this kind of goes back to the martin luther king thing what do you what do you say to the people that say my belief in god is what enabled me to accomplish x kind of believe in my traditions as a Jew and maybe some faith, etc. But you, know, you meet, I meet a lot of very successful people and they tell me that God has played a huge part in their success. Is God related to, to whoop or, or <laughs> mental contrasting? And Actually, how often do you yeah. get that question? Um, I never get this question, unfortunately. Because I think this is a very important question. And we've actually, I've been writing about that too. So let's say you have a situation where you have no freedom of action. Let's say you have a situation where you can't achieve your goals, but at the same time, you cannot leave them either. So it's a, it's, a, it's a desperate situation. It's a desperate situation. Or it's a situation where you have no information about the obstacle at all it's just unpredictable completely unpredictable mm -hmm. you can't do anything i have no freedom of action then these positive 
fantasies and daydreams alone will help you much better than the mental contrasting. Oh, so you're saying they can work a little bit. No, I'm saying under certain conditions, it works really well. And under mm. certain conditions, it is exactly what you should do. But under other conditions, you should not do that because then you leave all the action to the outside world and to others. So, and th this is really interesting also if you look at cross-culturally, previous, but maybe even um, nowadays cultures where you have no freedom of actions, where you just are kind of baked into your what you need to do. Then positive fantasies and daydreams about the future give you hope more than if you do mental contrasting. Because if you do mental contrasting, then you understand that the obstacle in the way is so big and then you get really kind of depressed. But yeah. if you can take action, you better go and go for those fantasies and daydreams that are feasible and where you can act and where you can actually contribute. And you better let go from those which are futile. I yeah. mean, you have people who have been thinking about themselves as the greatest whatever, and they never understood that they could be also happy with other projects which are probably less frustrating. Yeah. So for a culture where we have to decide our own pathways, our own businesses, our own what we buy and what we don't buy, about the deals which we do, about um, the careers which we want to go, about the partners we want to marry, whatever. We, we need to do all ourselves. We are the architects of our future. And for this environment, the mental contrasting is really good because my action and my change of behavior is called for. But in a situation where I can't do anything, then at least I can keep my hope up if I have these positive fantasies and daydreams. And that's very important. So I'm not saying that mental contrasting is the golden route to everything. Okay. It's the golden route if I want to act when it's promising and to better let go when I feel it might not be the right way. And mental contrasting is super helpful to actually set priorities, go for it, change behavior directly, or let go and then go in the next project and re-engage for the next project. So for everyone who is actually doing things and who is the architect of his or her own future, mental contrasting is really helpful because you understand what is it in me that stands in the way. And if you understand that, you have a much better chance to get over these obstacles. What people should know is that there's a free app called Whoop, W-O-O-P, that helps people put the concept into action. I've used it and it's actually helped me accomplish several things. Do you want to demonstrate it on your phone? Well, we could do that. Um, what I want to do beforehand, though, okay. is if you're interested in this little um, exercise, which we call WOOP, W for wish, mm -hmm. O for outcome, O for obstacle, and P for plan. And in WOOP, the W-O-O, this is the mental contrasting part. And the P part is a technique which we call implementation intentions. And this is 
these are kind of very simple if-then plans, which have been developed by Peter Goldwitzer. And um, so in the context of the mental contrasting, these P part comes in the form of if I meet obstacle X, whatever your obstacle is, then I will do the behavior Y in order to overcome obstacle. And that actually strengthens these non-conscious processes, which I just talked about, because these non-conscious processes, they act now in the W-O-O part and it, they act now in the P part. And they kind of non-consciously put you into the behavior that is helping you to fulfill your wishes. Mm -hmm. So you act without that you even know that you act. So it's it's sometimes interesting because this little exercise of whoop just takes about five minutes. And if you do that in the morning and then you, you do your little exercise and then you you look back in the day in the in the evening and you you feel oh I felt compelled to do this or I felt compelled to run or I felt compelled to be um, really to talk to this person or I felt oh this meeting went really well or things like that mm -hmm. and then you look back and then you realize oh this is what I whooped in the morning this is what I what I had as a wish outcome obstacle and plan in the morning so these non-conscious processes they are with you without that you realize and this is really neat Okay, that's one thing I want to say. And the other thing I want to say, before you go on the app, go on the whoopmylife.org website. So it's W-O-O-P, my life, one word, dot org. And there you find everything. Because with the app alone, the app is very minimal instructions. But on the whoopmylife.org website, you find the whoop kit with all the instructions You find the science, you find audios and videos to explain the exercise, and you find, you know, some contacts so that if you have questions or you have experience with who, you can always write us. Um, and and that's, that will help you. So uh, you can actually almost teach yourself whoop by, by looking at the website. And then if you want to take it along to your everyday life um, during the day, um, take the app. Okay, now that I'm thinking about it, I think for time's sake, we should do the app demonstration in a separate video. And we're going to put it in the video page of todaysmachiningworld.com, where, by the way, you can see almost all of our podcasts in their unedited form. Thanks so much. It was, it was really interesting for me, and I think it helped me a little bit to further figure it out, and hopefully somebody will give it a shot. Great. From today's machining world, this is a Swarfcast production. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the show and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to see extended video interviews and join our mailing list. I'm Noah Graff. Our audio engineer is Bill Steffi. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information on todaysmachiningworld.com.